0: You are listening to the Soar Above Cancer Podcast, episode 102, Learning to Meditate as a Cancer Thriver, with your hosts, Gabrielle and Alex. Hello, fellow Cancer Thrivers. Welcome to this week's episode of the Soar Above Cancer Podcast, a podcast dedicated to finding the strength to not only survive a cancer diagnosis, but thrive at living one's life with cancer. Today, like the title indicates, we are going to talk about meditation. Meditation. And before anyone runs away, we are also somewhat new at this. We're not masters at the entire idea of meditating. So please don't run away scared. Stick with us and see what maybe we have to say. And we'd love, again, to have what you think about meditation, how that has changed your life. But we'll get to that later in this episode. So maybe if we jump jump right into things we haven't posted episodes for the past two weeks because life just kind of got in the way, but now we're back. So if we jump right in, maybe we can start with the basics of meditation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just sort of touching upon what you said there, we have taken a bit of a break, but we've been undergoing some cool projects. So hopefully Gabrielle and I can get back to it, structure everything properly, and we'll have a chance to talk about some of the cool and up and coming things that we have going on for the podcast and outside of that. But when we dive into meditation altogether, we initially talked about mindfulness on our last episodes and Gabrielle had a chance to interview Genevieve Stonebridge and talk all about mindfulness. And meditation is very similar in the sense it's sort of like a practice that leads to mindfulness. But what meditation is altogether, I think, can be best sum up with the idea of awareness and compassion. So it's similar to mindfulness in that you take the time of day to kind of sit with your thoughts and not necessarily empty or clear your mind. It's more so being present with the thoughts that you have. So understanding sort of what you're thinking about, being open to it, being clear and concise in your thoughts and what you're thinking, and just taking that time to release all the thoughts in your mind and kind of get away from things. And then the compassion side of things is being happy with the present moment not necessarily worrying about what's going on in the past, what's going on in the future, being more compassionate, empathetic. And that kind of leads to positive mindset moving forward and a good relationship and a healthy relationship with the people in your lives.
0: Yeah. Personally, I see meditation and that's just how I see it. I see meditation as kind of a structured way to practice mindfulness. We I know I strive to practice mindfulness in my daily life, in everything that I do. It's a way of of living. When it comes to meditation, it's a practice that I need to cultivate and it adds to that mindfulness. I carve a piece of my day and dedicate it to meditation, to this practice of stopping and staying still for a moment and letting my thoughts kind of calm down, which is not easy for anyone who has ever tried meditation. So for me, that's really a practice, a designated mindfulness practice in my daily life. So that's all I would add, because I think you did a good job at sharing with us what meditation is.
1: Thank you. Yeah. So like you said, it's a piece and a one practice to mindfulness and it can be done in different ways and it can be more important to some people than others. And how we tie it back really to Soar Above is why as a cancer thriver is meditation important? And why is it something that we think might be a good addition to our daily lives?
0: Well, meditation is probably the first practice or activity that many healthcare professionals are, especially in the psychosocial world, will share with their patients, we'll share with cancer thrivers to help them navigate the side effects of cancer and treatments, just the psychological impact of cancer. So meditation is something that is very recommended for people living with cancer for so many different reasons. It can go from de-stressing your body and lowering that stress level because we know that cancer can be Very stressful on someone. It's a very traumatic life experience for someone. It can help with managing pain and managing nausea. It can really vary. The impacts of meditation on a cancer thriver is well researched. There's evidence to support it. Why meditation as a cancer thriver? Personally, I think that it can really help. I think it can recenter you. I think it can be also an outlet in a time where cancer is a very big thing in your life and can have huge impacts on you what about you alex what do you think meditation means to can mean to cancer thrivers
1: you put it really well and i think the only thing to add is like you said with the stress a lot of cancer thrivers whether they're in the midst of their treatment or in survivorship phase go through that post traumatic stress disorder and to varying degrees It's just because you go through a lot and sometimes the mental impact doesn't hit until later, or you're thinking a lot about the process throughout. The physical stressors are pretty understandable. They're tangible. When we're taking a medication, we feel nauseous, like you said, or we are in pain or we are sleep deprived. It takes a toll on us physically and mentally. So what meditation does is it gives us sort of a break from all those stressors where we can just focus in the now and Say we're feeling bad, we can at least acknowledge why we're feeling bad so it makes more sense and we can kind of move forward and and think, okay, next time what I'm going to try is to combat this because this is what's causing my pain or this is what's causing this, this and that. So meditation altogether as a practice relieves a lot of stress and especially in the cancer realm, there are a lot of things going on and we just need to take five to 10 minutes a day and it gives us a chance to step away from what we're dealing with and kind of focus on the present.
0: And you started meditating, right, Alex?
1: Yeah, so I started a few years ago. I haven't gotten to it as much now because it's like when you go to the gym and, and say you get out of it for a month or so, it's hard to get back in And because there's so many different ways to meditate. But when I did originally meditate, that was a few years ago through the AYA program at Princess Margaret in Toronto. Those eight classes incorporated a lot of different meditation techniques. And when I was in the midst of it, I was doing 30 minute meditation practices at night. I was trying to do three minute meditation practices throughout the day. And it's difficult because when you're first getting into meditation, a lot of people don't realize that such a simple sounding task can be so tough mentally, just because as a human being, you're going, going, going 24 seven, there's always things to think about. So stepping away from that and focusing on what's going on in front of you cannot be so easy sometimes, especially for 30 minute window. So why I really got into meditation was it gave me a chance to relax. I'm always an individual who strives for greatness. And I always like to learn more and move forward. And it's difficult to do that sometimes and step away and think, okay, you're moving too fast. Let's kind of slow down. So I have gotten some practice a few years ago. And it's something that I will really want to incorporate a little bit more moving forward. And yourself, what's your sort of experience with meditation, and why is it important? And why did we kind of get into it?
0: I think I'm. I procrastinated getting into meditation for a long time. I have started med- meditating more and more in the past, let's say eight to nine months. So in 2019, I really started cultivating a practice of meditation in my daily life, making it making it more structured in my life. So not just, oh, when I was panicky or anxious or sad, but more consistently daily. That practice has changed and evolved. So at some points I was doing 30 minutes a day and then at some sometimes I do three minutes in the morning and that's it. So it has varied a lot. Why did I get into meditation? I think that I was at a point where mentally I was better but I could still feel the effects of stress on my body and nothing was really working to lower my stress levels so I turned to meditation it was kind of like a, a last ditch effort and it ended up having a huge impact on my life and it still does today when I do meditate regularly my stress levels go down and I can I I get all those aches and pains they all go they kind of all go away. So for me, it was really to get myself to that next step of being healthy and living a life that for me was really filled with wellness. And I couldn't do that without meditation today. Personally, that's kind of where I got to it. So I'm I'm very happy that I found that personally in my life.
1: And how how do you meditate normally? What sort of practices do you take, and, and what's the whole process?
0: It's funny because I'm, I'm intending on publishing a blog post, going more in depth this month regarding how do I meditate because for a long time I thought that meditation had to be kind of done sitting upright and with my hands on my lap and kind of that typical meditation pose that we – associate with today in today's world. And then I realized that that was just a barrier to me actually meditating. And my back sometimes hurts so much from other health issues that I couldn't sit still for the 10, 15, 20 minutes that I wanted to do. So I actually now meditate laying down And I have to be careful because sometimes I will fall asleep, but at the same time, it's not, it's not the most horrible thing to fall asleep. I do try to do it not before, right before going to bed so that I'm less likely to fall asleep. But yeah, so I meditate laying down all the time because (laughs) even, even when I fool myself into thinking that I could do it sitting down, I end up resenting my meditation and it just doesn't work for me. So yeah. that's kind of how I meditate. What about you, Alex? In
1: terms of that aspect, I agree. I, I totally stick with lying down if I can handle it. It's the most comfortable position. If you are in a comfortable position, you're already setting yourself up for success. And it's just easier laying down because you take a lot of pressure off of you physically. So mentally, you have no distractions off the bat. Mm-hmm. In terms of timing, if I'm meditating, I like to take like 10 minutes or so. Because I find even though I've had a couple of months and back and forth over the years of practice, it's difficult to get into a, a proper meditation session in such a short amount of time. And some experts can do it, but it takes me a while to just settle in and focus on the now. So when I have at least 10 minutes, even if the first few minutes are a little bit hectic and it takes me a while, I have enough time to sit with myself and just be free and open the mind to whatever it may be. So I like to do time frame about 10 minutes, lay down mostly at night because it's at the end of the day. You're dealing with all your stressors, but at the same time, you're letting them go. So it it leads up to a nice night's sleep, hopefully. That's sort of how I meditate. And there's so many different ways that you can do it too. And that's the good thing about meditation as a whole.
0: Yeah, you can meditate while walking or jogging or doing basically anything. Some people meditate when they wash the dishes or do like a repetitive task like that. And some people um, do it with others. Like there's so many ways to meditate. And that's the great thing about meditation is that it's a practice that you need to build for yourself in to make sure that it's sustainable, but it can look in so many different ways.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So any funny meditation stories or thoughts during meditation that you like to share with us, Alex?
1: I wish I had one that was actually funny. I, it's funny to me. I think normally my mind just goes towards food. I <laughs> want to think about what the next meal is that always seems to creep into my head. Now, whether I have to plan the meal or whether it's with other people or what time it is, that's always how I seem to plan my day. I find that kind of funny because I think that's most people a lot of people seem to be thinking about, I'm going to have pizza tomorrow, and that gets them excited, and then their mind goes crazy. So I haven't had one specific funny story. I just find that that always seems to be in my head most of the time. So if I can eat right before meditation, that's probably the best bet, because then I can focus on something else. But what about you? Is there anything funny that you've experienced in meditation?
0: I couldn't say like that there's something specific that's funny. I think that if anyone had a sneak peek to what my thoughts look like during meditation, I'm sure people would laugh because the internal dialogue that is in my head is constant and kind of crazy and and kind of the opposite of what a meditation is all about. But I it's a work in progress on kind of shutting that mind and just kind of letting it be. But by letting it be sometimes it just kind of acts up and it can get funny, but there's nothing specific that I can think of. But I'm sure people can probably relate to the fact that they have a chatterbox in oh, yeah. their mind.
1: Absolutely, and that's not even in meditation. People are always thinking thoughts that don't make sense, and yeah. meditation just really what it does is it brings those thoughts out, and it can be funny because you can actually sit there and focus on them. Exactly, and, and you know, and that's like the first step to everything
0: yeah no actually taking a moment and listening to those slides is is that funny part it's because they're yeah. always there absolutely but you're finally paying attention to them
1: <laughs> how i mean we've briefly touched on this already but how really has meditation impacted our lives to where we are today what kind of benefits have we taken from it
0: again i and i've alluded to this in the past i have anxiety. I've had it for for years, so it's part of my life. And I again, I was at a point where I could manage those thoughts pretty well. So my anxiety was no longer really in my head as much as it was manifesting physically. So things like a tummy ache or nausea, different things like that kind of came from my anxious thoughts or, or my anxiety. But how do you manage those physiological effects of anxiety and stress? so meditation has the most impact in my life when it comes to calming my body and not just my mind so I had to do a lot of work to calm my mind and now meditation is calming everything else and it's making me a a happier person it's making me a calmer person people have noticed it in me not right away because people don't usually notice things like that right away in other people but By now, a lot of people have said to me how much calmer I am. I no longer fidget with everything around me, like things like that. There's subtle things, but things that can have a huge that have had a huge impact in my life. Definitely, I know starting 2019, one of my goals was to be a calmer person, and through meditation, I've been able to do that. So it has had a huge impact. And what about in your life, Alex? How has meditation? Kind of helped you? I think
1: it just made my mind clearer. I have more focus on the task at hand. A lot of the times I think towards the future and I like let the moment bypass, but I think now it's, it's just caused me to be clearer and, and I'm able to focus better on, on one thing at a time. And it also helps with multitasking and just being in the present. I don't think yet I've had the opportunity or it hasn't hit me yet to be a calmer person, but it's definitely a goal of mine. And especially when you bring something like that up, I really notice there's times that I want to be calm and I want to take things lightly, but I I, I stress a lot. I think we all do. And Mm -hmm. anxiety is very much a part of my life at times as well. So it impacts me in the sense that I want to be calmer. And I think that's one of the main reasons I want to get back into meditation as a part of a daily routine, because it can really benefit you. And it's just nice to hear kind of that success story on your end.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And just on that note, meditation paired with a heavy blanket, and I don't know if you've ever, you're familiar with a heavy blanket. It's like a really heavy blanket that you can have on you, like it's 20 pounds. Both together make meditation so much more productive because your whole body de-stresses even more. So that's a new insider tip that I've recently discovered.
1: That's good to know.
0: we will point that out. (laughs) Uh, We're not sponsored by any heavy blankets. I I love my heavy blanket.
1: This is just strictly opinion-based, but that's fantastic.
0: So myths around meditation. So I think there's a lot of information around meditation out there. And have you ever heard like myths that once you started meditating, you were like, okay, what was that about?
1: Well, I think you brought it up already earlier the fact that people think you have to sit in this upright position with your hands in your lap or your hands up in the air and <laughs> noises like everyone knows the typical meditation pose. Cause that's been popularized either in the Western world or through media or just in some capacity. Mm-hmm. And the biggest myth is I think there's so many different ways to meditate and it's not just that one position, that one time frame. You have to be in solitary confinement. I know we all live in a world where it's hard to get away from distraction and hopefully we all have a safe space in like a room where we can take five minutes. But even when you're walking through the lunchroom at work or you're walking to work, you can put your headphones in and meditate just while you're walking. I think the biggest myth is that. And I, I think in general, a lot of people might think it's like a silly thing or it's something that's not for them. And I think mm-hmm. that's just, I don't really know how to put that into words because there's a lot of things people think about meditation and even like a lot of people have certain thoughts on psychics. It's similar to that in the sense that maybe people think it's silly. It's something that's not for them. And if it's not for someone, that's fine. But I think it has a lot of benefit to it. And there's just a lot to know about meditation that people don't necessarily think about. And I know that's a comprehensive thought, but I don't really know how to put it into words.
0: I would definitely say to someone who's skeptic about meditation to at least give it a try and give it a like a good try not just like a half-assed kind of try exactly. like an actual try and see if someone can support you in that process or make it easier but really try it and see how it could fit into your life I also think that a big myth around meditation is the fact that you need to clear your mind and that is not the point of meditation. You never, if, if you think that you need your, your mind to be completely clear, you are going to fail at meditation every single time because your mind is your mind. And like we were chatting earlier, it's like a monkey mind for most of us in there. The myth of having to clear your mind, another way to see it is something that might be a little more useful for someone meditating is that you kind of accept those thoughts as they come and you let them go. So some people kind of look at it like a river. So the thoughts come in and then they leave or clouds going by in the sky, different things like that, kind of moving along calmly. And so you see the thought come, you say hello, and you let it go type of thing instead of, Focusing on it, that's not the point. You, you want to let it go. But at the same time, they're still there and they're always going to be there. It's how you react to them that changes in a meditation kind of setting. Yeah. So that's another big myth. I think that people – there's plenty of, of written works on it on the internet. So something to look at. But if you're telling yourself that you need a blank canvas in your head when you meditate – and, it, and that's not happening. Don't be discouraged because I don't think that's the point of meditation at all. Yeah.
1: And I think that that goes for everything we've ever talked about and everything really. It's hard to judge something when you, you don't know enough about it. Even me, I know when I thought of meditation for the first time, I was thinking it's it's distracting. There's too much to do. There's too much involved and it's not for me. And And now it's just something that has helped in a certain way and something that I think I need a little bit more of in some capacity. So you know, just give it a try, like you said.
0: Mm-hmm. So, how do you set yourself up for success when it comes to meditation?
1: One thing I can think of off the bat is treat meditation like it's part of a daily routine. Something mm-hmm. like brushing your teeth, having breakfast, things like that are part of your routine because you add them and you set a time for them, and they just become natural. So, if you set a time for meditation every day, say we want to do it before work or we want to do it right before we go to bed, if you treat it like a priority in a routine, you'll be able to set yourself up for success because you'll have that same thought process every day. And you can probably clear your mind every day and train your brain to be a little bit more focused on the now if you're doing it the same time all the time. And I think going into it with an open mind. So, if you go in with a, a thought of, oh, meditation, isn't something that's going to work for me. Well, then once you try it, chances are it won't work for you. If you go in open and think, okay, well, I'm not sure at all what this is about, but I'm going to go in and I'm going to try it and put my effort into it. I think already you're setting yourself up for success and choosing a style that's best for you. As we said, there's meditation that can last three minutes. There's some where maybe you have half an hour at the end of each day to focus on it. Do what you think is best for you. If you're someone who learns quickly, Maybe do it in three minutes, and if maybe something takes a longer time for you to get started, utilize your half an hour. Utilize an hour, 15 minutes at home. Lay down, sit up, do it in the car. Choose a method that you think will be the most successful to you because meditation means different things to different people.
0: Yeah, when I think of setting yourself up for success in regards to meditation, I really think of really putting some thoughts into that practice and what it looks like for you. Because a meditation practice is going to be an individual thing. It, you can't adopt the one that your neighbor or your friend or your teacher or whoever does because it's, they're not you and they don't have your life. So is it that you need to wait at the doctor's office every day to get radiation therapy? Can you make that your time of meditation because that's when you have time to kill and that's when you have to lower your stress levels. So look at your schedule, look at your life and see where meditation fits in and how meditation can fit in. And it it goes with what you said, Alex. I think that to make sure that you succeed in building this practice, the practice needs to fit your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. and who you are in that moment. And that can change every month or every day, depending on how you are evolving as a person. So I think that's one of one of the great ways to build yourself a, a successful practice.
1: Yeah, I like that. Now, we've talked a lot about our success with meditation and how we've cultivated it in our lives. But Gabrielle, maybe you can touch upon this. To start, is there any resources – whether they're cancer specific or they're not in readings and apps that we can use teachings that we can allude to, to help our audience.
0: Yes. So if you're really new to meditation, I would suggest that you use the one giant mind app and it actually has like a, I'm just going to open it here. It has like, I think 12 days of a meditation course And after you've done that day's meditation, um, it's guided, so it's going to talk to you during the meditation. But it actually also gives you a list of things that might have gone wrong in your meditation and how can you fix it for next time or how can you change your practice a little bit to avoid that problem in the future. There's also like a 30 day challenge and just a timer on that app. So it's overall a really good app. There's also the meditation timer that has lots of different meditations on it. And Inside Timer is the one that I use the most. So it has hundreds of thousands of meditations. Well, it seems like hundreds of thousands. I don't know the exact number, but it has lots of different meditations and the timer possibility. So those are apps that I've really been playing with.
1: On my end, the only, I guess, thing to utilize when it comes to resources in meditation is the app or the website called Headspace. So what Headspace is, is I'm looking on the website now, it gives a lot of detail into what meditation is as a practice, clinical research, it has methodologies, it dives in a little into mindfulness and creates sort of a structured process and how to meditate depending on who you are as a person, what your daily struggles are, if you don't have any struggles, how you learn, how you operate, and it puts together sort of a program for you to clear your mind and use meditation and sort of get into a routine as it stands and it's an app that you do have to pay for so you subscribe you can do $7.99 annually for the year so as long as you purchase it for a year every month and $12.99 monthly if you just want to do it on a month-by-month basis and it's something I haven't tried yet but I've heard positive things on and I was just looking on the website recently and doing a bit of a, a tour into what meditation is and some of the practices. And they have a lot of programs that are, like I said, clinically researched. They partnered with NYU for a few things. So it's just something to try if you're sort of a beginner and want to learn a little bit more about meditation from some type of experts. And I think it's something I really do want to consider moving forward and getting your routine, because I know it can be difficult when your lives are so fast paced.
0: Yeah, I definitely prefer doing um, guided meditations rather than just like a timer. For me, the timer I get, I, I my mind just runs off really quickly uh, compared to a guided meditation. So that's personally what I prefer. And these are all apps that are free, paid, have timers, have guided meditations, all things to consider when you pick which app is best for you. If you're going to use it. an app, you can also just use a timer. As for books, I have a few. So if you're new to meditation, I have read, it's called A Beginner's Guide to Meditation, Practical Advice and Inspiration from Contemporary Buddhist Teachers. And meditation is not is not specific to a religion, really. But mm. this book has a lot of great insight into how to start to meditate. So if you're more into books, that's a great one to start with. And Mm. if you're a little more advanced and meditation mindfulness is not something that's new to you, I have two other books that I really have loved. So there's The Untethered Soul by Michael A. Singer. That one is harder, I find personally, to comprehend. So it takes a lot to wrap your head around this one. Um, The Power of Now is my new favorite book, I think. And have you read it, Alex?
1: No, but I've heard about that. So please dive in.
0: That one's pretty good because it explains meditation in a very realistic and interesting way. And you're just like, you have aha moments like every second page. Well, that's how I experienced the book anyway. And he compiles basically questions from his talks and and from people from over the years. And as soon as you have a question in your head, a few pages later, he'll answer it automatically. Like, so it's, I don't know, it was very well structured and very insightful. So I would recommend this book if meditation or mindfulness is something that you've already done, even if you haven't done it a lot. If you know the concept, I would go to this book specifically. Those are my suggestions.
1: Those are great suggestions.
0: So you did the eight-week program with mindfulness-based meditation for cancer patients. Correct? Yeah. So that's a really good resource that a lot of cancer centers now have. I wouldn't say all of them, but some do. Or you can find them in the community or online, different things like that. So What was your experience with that kind of course?
1: Yeah, you're dealing with different types of people in those courses because when I went in, the first class was about 30 of us and you can tell everyone had different experiences, whether it be cancer or they're at different stages of their lives. So the first week or so was difficult to navigate because everyone was skeptical going in and didn't know. but as you continued with the courses, everyone who was there was there for a reason and and felt confident leaving each class. And by the end of the eight weeks, there was a lot of information that I could take home physically in form of papers and information, or more so just practices that I could take home. In it's a lot of information within a two-month process, but it gives you the tools to move forward. And with those courses, a lot of clinical research is done. So I received a lot of prompts for doing surveys a few months later, a year later, I think I got one two years later, just asking me if I incorporated a lot of the practices. And as the years went on, my surveys got more participating in, oh, sorry, like I'm really trying to incorporate this, but it's been difficult so it's been something that it it keeps you on your toes, but it's a lot of information. And what you do with that information is all up to you.
0: Yeah. And this eighth week program is has been researched extensively when it comes to cancer patients and the impacts that it can have in a cancer thriver's life. So definitely, I think if you're new to meditation, these could be very interesting courses to get into that, again, are offered in various different ways and usually often for, for university or research-based purposes. But nonetheless, it can give you something at the end of the eight months that you can then incorporate or not into your life after that.
1: Yeah, whatever you need to do with it is completely on you. Yeah. This ends the episode Gabrielle and I want to start. In terms of meditation and learning a little bit about it. And it sort of wraps up our health and wellness month, which is fantastic. We had a chance today to talk about the basics of meditation, why as a cancer thriver, meditation is so beneficial, and how Gabrielle and I really got into meditation. So, how do we meditate? Where do we first learn? What are some of the funny thoughts that come into our head as a result of meditating as a beginner? What are some of the myths of meditation that kind of combat our pursuit of it and how can we sort of navigate through those barriers and set ourselves up for success. We also talk about a few of the resources that Gabrielle and I have, whether it comes to apps, teachers, readings, some of the experience we've had in the past that have benefited us and hopefully all these practices and activities can be bestowed onto you so we can take all of the benefits that Gabrielle and I have learned through meditation and we can all improve as an audience.
0: So this does end episode 102, learning to meditate as a cancer thriver. A big thank you to you, our listeners. You continue to show up as we grow. And this means so very much to us. So thank you for that. If you have any resources that you'd like to recommend or thoughts on meditation and cancer, really any comments or questions regarding this episode or any of our episodes um, that we've done, Please do not hesitate to reach out to us through the Soar Above Cancer website as well as our social media platforms all linked in the show notes. So many smiles to you and see you next week.